Happy Beltane. Greetings, friends. Welcome to I Think Speech. I am Hazel Archer-Ginsberg. And yes, that was me out sipping dewdrops from the lilacs at sunrise. Our lilac bush is just starting to flower. And unlike uh, the lily, which gives us its scent at night, the lilac likes the sun to bring out that beautiful, beautiful fragrance. And uh, if you've never tried drinking the, the dewdrops off of a flower, I recommend it. Roses especially are wonderful. Uh, it's, it doesn't, you, it's rose water, it's lilac water, it's delicious. It's a real, real blessing. Um, it's just one of the many ways to participate in the magical reality of May 1st called by the ancients Beltane. And May 1st is the fixed date of what we call the cross quarter on the wheel of the year. The actual cosmic um, configuration happens on May 5th this year. But it's, yeah, it's this uh, time between the spring equinox and the summer solstice, which marks a joyful festival, right? Of growth, heralding the promise of summer. Time when, yeah, nature blossoms, felicity, fertility, return to the land. So this festival is named after uh, this solar deity, Bell. It's uh, the good fire, the bell fire. He, bell is considered the bright and brilliant regenerator, the protective shepherd, the fiercely shining one. And here's my favorite title, the hospitable boar chieftain. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, right? How, how do you like that for a name? Gotta live into that. So tradition has it that all the hearth fires were distinct, were extinguished on Beltane Eve and then kindled again from the sacred need fires lit on Beltane. These need fires provide so much, that energy that we need to uh, go forth and multiply. So yeah, people leap over the flames through the smoke of these Beltane fires. And the, uh, the farmers would actually bring their cattle in and drive them around this fire as well for purification. Uh, it's a symbol of fertility, prosperity, protection. A fire can be a symbol of protection. So Bell, you know, very deep origins, pan-Celtic um, god of light, revered all over Europe. And also connected to uh, this image of the tree of life. So besides being a solar god, uh, Malinus, another name, uh, was also known to be a rainbow raid healer. So there's this, this connection here with this, uh, the fire, but also the healing well, the springs that are associated with the regeneration of life. And it's interesting that uh, Rudolf Steiner, when, when he's lecturing about the, the mystery schools, speaks of this time as being ruled by the healer, the archangel Raphael. So interesting connection there. And in terms of the archetypal cycle, Beltane, 
marks the union of the female and male polarities, bringing new life to the earth. And it's a traditional time for hand fastings. I'm actually uh, doing one in about a week. Um, and this is a, they, they, they call it a marriage union for a year and a day. So you're making a commitment and then you check in in a year and see, hey, do we want to go further with this? Like a very, very uh, good way to, to see how compatible people are, right? So yeah, it's also a time for couples to, to make love outside, to bless the crops and the earth. And we all know this tradition of the maypole dance, right? People coming together to bring fertility and, and good fortune. Uh, this phallic symbol, later there was these ribbons that were added to it. And that when they're wrapped around by the, the dancers, it brings this further sense of integration of the complementary energies, right? Sort of mirroring this union between the god and the goddess. So yeah, time to devote energy to growth, integration, celebration, exuberance, and hope. Yeah, we, we can enjoy and appreciate the gifts of nature. I mean, we could do that anytime. This is, you know, everything's just, just coming in. It's still a little chilly out. It's exciting to see the, the tulip open, you know. It's just a, a time to really remember and have gratitude, remember our, our blessings. So, yeah, I mean, the ancients have been doing this work for, for, for generations, right? And, you know, we can even see the, the Sabine festival from, from ancient um, Rome and, and Greece. Uh, Florelia was the celebrated goddess of, you know, she, this is a festival celebrating flora, the, the flowering of spring. And especially associated with vines, olives, fruit trees, honey-bearing plants. So, yeah, people are thinking about food. It's starting to come back. And uh, we have this image of Kernunos, the earthly god force present at Beltane. So we, we've talked here, I think, on the podcast about the triple goddess. Well, Kernunos is considered a triple god, the green man, the great father, and, you know, he's very much a, a nature deity. They... they they give him the title, the Antlered Horned Forest Lord, or the Green-Faced Father, or the Primal Landscape, <laughs> the Primal Landscape Goddess Consort. That's a mouthful. I'm sure that's probably just a weird translation. <laughs> but yeah, he's known by many names. Green Man. That's, that's what I call him. But this image of Kernunos with the horns is, is really pretty provocative. And uh, yeah, sometimes you see in these images, he, he holds this, this archetypal bag of fertility coins. <laughs> you can imagine what that, what that represents. And he also has a mighty club that symbolized his authority as master of the hunt and protector of nature. He's, you know, he's not a hunter. He's a, a creative mentor of animals and the nature spirits and the woodlands. 
So Kronunos is, is yeah, he, he really is this sort of magical craftsman, uh, uh, an initiator of the mysteries, considered in, in another world, threshold guardian, sort of a, a psychopomp. So, yeah, we can we can look for for his face in the the leaves, and this energy of the guardian of the nature nature spirits. And so, yeah, this this movable feast, uh, gauging the condition of the the crops and the flowers, right? So every year maybe the spring lasts a little longer. So it was really kind of under the command of the oracle, of um, the Sibylline Oracle would sort of say, okay, this is now when the, the feast will happen. This is when the celebration will occur. Um, being able to, to gain the access of the goddess for protection of the blossoms. And then when it was decreed, festive games would bring the folks out of their winter hibernation. And uh, so they would get together and do pantomimes and street theater and uh, people would put on their brightest clothes, you know, decked out in flowers, and, and even the, the animals were garland, garlanded. <laughs> you know, they'd let the, the goats and the hares run free, right? Symbol of fertility. So yeah, we can imagine uh, the village life looking quite spectacular, everybody in their finest, really celebrating. So this this gift giving of the season included the you know the first uh, vegetables uh, and mostly herbs and such. So uh, equated with the you know the fertility, obviously. Um, and part of it was choosing a May queen and king. This is a big part of the the May Day celebrations. So usually. Uh, a young girl dressed in white represented the goddess in her maiden aspect. Uh, we talked about this maiden mother crone before. And yeah, I mean, the merry month of May and the word maiden actually come from the same source. The word simply means young. And uh, in Italy, the bride of May carries um, a green branch garlanded with ribbons, sort of a, a mini maypole. But there's also uh, this emphasis on fresh fruits and, and lemons. It's a, kind of an interesting thing. And then in some English villages, the, the maiden is, is, is called Maid Marian, right? We've heard of this in the Robin Hood stories. So uh, anyone who would go out into the woods and find that, you know, if they could find a branch of, uh, especially of flowering hawthorn, would bring it in triumphantly into the village. This was called bringing in the May, sort of a, an announcing of the start of the planting season. But uh, folks, you know, they were they also knew that if you brought, a, you know, a flowering branch into the house, then you were also inviting fairies in. So you had to make sure that, you know, you had good intentions because these uh, fairy folk could be tricksters. So, you know, they could bring out the worst in people. So again, uh, what what kind of uh, moral intent are you are you bringing? <laughs> Always a good question. And sometimes flowers were given as messages, like a, a plum for somebody who was glum, 
an, an elder for the 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 old <laughs> or thorns for the prickly a pear for somebody who is popular yeah i love those those traditions and uh, in eastern europe uh, a young man would go into the woods on may eve and and actually dig up a flowering tree and decorate it with ribbons and colored eggshells and and then plant it outside the bedroom window of his sweetheart so yeah things like that and in Scandinavia and Germany, May trees were uh, important not only to people, but to animals. So they were uh, planted outside the barn door. You know, sometimes they would plant a new tree or a, a flowering bush or something for every a baby animal that they had in the stable. So connection to um, all the different kingdoms of that bring fertility. And this thing with the root, with the lemons, so interesting. When I was growing up, my Italian grandmother uh, on my father's side would would celebrate May Day by going out into the, you know, they had this backyard. They had a, a grapevine and a um, flowering dogwood. That was always the first thing to to come into flower in the spring. And she would uh, tie these these lemons and these uh, ribbons on the dogwood tree. And she, she'd say, um, may wine for the God dog. <laughs> and she'd laugh and I'd be like, okay, I don't know what that means. But, you know, as I got older, this idea of the, the dogwood tree and the reversal of God dog, God dog. So, you know, this sort of very, very peasant pagan way of, of meeting the God in nature. So beautiful. And, um, and, and she would tell me these stories about how, you know, they didn't have, uh, they didn't tie ribbons around their, their maypole. They just had this giant pole that they would uh, rub with grease. But before that, they would tie like prosciutto and, and cheese and money and stuff from the top. And then, you know, the men would try to climb up the greased pole and to try to get the prizes. Right. <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, yeah, eventually the grease would wear off and then somebody would get the prize and present it to their... The, the young woman that they loved, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah, there's similar customs in Wales and, and in English villages, the maypole is actually decorated with a broom. Um, so again, this connection with the tree or, uh, you know, and, and so when they bring it in from the woods, the, the girls would sort of ride it like a horse, right? They would ride this, um, this tree into <laughs> like a procession and um yeah gosh there's so much there's so much in in ireland where my my mother's people are from again there's this connection with this this sacred tree and um you know the different worlds of uh where we live and where the heavens are and where the underworld is and so this connection between all three worlds but yeah, this, this idea of this maypole dance is, you know, like I said, people coming together after being sort of secluded during the winter. Uh, but it was really very much a, a social gathering, you know, it, you know, to, to not only bring people together for fertility rights in that way, but also to, you know, there's uh, this idea of raising energy, this patterned, focused movement to raise energy. And, you know, we have 
hear about traditions of the mummer's dance and the jack in the green, right? People dressing up in these costumes made out of green leaves and um, you know, representing this re-greening of the world. And the image of the fool, right? Or the fool's journey was acted out in street theater a lot. Um, another very interesting archetype of, of Beltane, right? It's the symbol of the beginning of the beginnings, right? It's the zero, number zero in the tarot deck. Um, but it also represents this idea of, uh, you know, that the ever-present help of the spiritual world comes to anyone who has a clear head. Right? You see the image of this fool sort of dancing and he could, looks like he could just walk right over the abyss, but somehow he always has help, right? as well as this idea of this emergence from the void, right? That zero number. And yeah, like I said, this the Morris dancing, uh, the Mummers plays, you know, they, they, you know, they would have do these you know, elaborate uh, leaping type dances. And this was all to, to show, okay, this, you know, we're demonstrating to you crops how you can grow really high, you know, that sort of thing. And the clashing of their sticks together uh, represent a, a ritual battle between winter and spring. So the, the Mummers plays uh, really interesting stuff. I, I've seen a few in different Waldorf schools and such and different crazy characters, Green George. And there's always a hobby horse, you know, a guy wearing this big um, skirt, you know, uh, or there's maybe sometimes a dragon. Um, usually men dressed up like women, there's a jester, uh, sometimes chimney, chimney sweeps with their brushes. And, and I remember uh, going to the North Park Nature Center uh, many years ago, they would have these storytelling contests. And this one storyteller talked about how the hobby horse would have coal, like a little lump of coal under his skirts with the goal of running after the young women who uh, were eligible maidens and sort of, you know, pulling them under the skirt. And then he, they would mark them with the coal. And that only the ones that were marked uh, could dance around the maypole. So I thought that was interesting. The ones that were eligible of age, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, there's this portrayal sometimes of the battle between the season, the seasons, right? Where spring squirts winter with water and then, you know, seizes the garland from winter and presents it to the May Queen. So, yeah, a lot of antics and trickery and such. But that's mostly this humor was brought up because Beltane is still kind of a precarious time. You know, the crops are, are still very young and tender and susceptible to frost. So um, the folks, you know, in those days being closer to the land and the cycles of the season really felt strongly that the wheel of the year could not turn without human intervention. So everything they did, you know, was in service to uh, encourage this growth of the sun and, and this connection with the elemental powers, uh, really acknowledging and working together with these energies. They knew that they had a part to play. So yeah, besides the fire, water too has a, a you know special properties, especially on May Day. And I found this Mother Goose rhyme, which uh, explains that. 
where it says, the fair maid who the first of May goes to the fields at the break of day and washes in dew from the hawthorn tree will ever after handsome be. Yeah, that's beautiful. So many, many Celtic stories too, suggesting, you know, to use the dew from under the oak trees or the ivy leaves. Um, and that, you know, right, if you washed your face in the morning dew or, or drank from a well before sunrise, um, and actually the first Sunday and first Monday of May are traditional days for, for dressing or decorating or honoring wells. So, you know, you could go to the lake or to the river and um, throw a flower in and say a little thank you. So we can still take up these, these things today, you know, in our own way, with our own intentions. It's, it's really important to um, bring these associations and blessings to all of the elements. And um, yeah, I mean, people, I have friends who would make this May wine. They, they put, uh, infuse the wine with, with herbs, uh, sweet woodrow or, or other berries or, or flowers or such. And, you know, we can, we can look out right now and see that we are uh, being blessed by the Pleiades star cluster, which rises just before sunrise. So again, this sunrise connection. Uh, so this, this cluster of the seven sisters, right? There, and you know, spiritual science talks about how the constellation of Taurus, which is where the seven sisters reside, is connected to um, this astral aspect of the bull or the dove, right? It transforms into the dove or the Holy Spirit. So many, many things to contemplate, many signs in nature's and in the heavens, uh, right? Mercury, Venus are still part of the conversation and soon Jupiter and Saturn will also be in the dawn sky show. So yeah, friends, as we, we stand on this greening earth, bringing our prayers for, you know, our intentions for new growth, we, we have to bring all of that into our actions. And um, yeah, can we can we rise in our thoughts to to meet the cosmic and earthly forces by right? bringing this inspiration uh, and origin of, of all of this fertility into our, our thoughts, words and deeds. Well, we'll see you there. Thanks. Peace. Thank you.